In the book, you kind of describe what happens sort of minute by minute, like in the kitchen, and in terms of how the whole last meal ritual goes. Can you run me through that? It is a ritual. Everything is done by time. I usually start around 1 o'clock, start getting things together. By 2 o'clock, I'd do this. And I wanted everything to be fresh and hot and stay hot and be ready to go. We didn't have a hot box, so to speak, uh, that they rolled over there. Like if it was a some type of steak or cheeseburger or whatever, I'd start preparing the, the meat just right around 3 o'clock. And I'd be wrapping them up. And while they're still just right off the fire, the cheese melting on them and such, and have them wrapped up in saran wrap, then we'd cover the whole tray with butcher paper. So it could be delivered without anyone seeing what that last meal is as they take it across the yard and through the bull ring and to the death chamber. After that, then clean up. And then I'd always go back to my cell and I'd start watching the clock because the execution time is usually right at 6 o'clock. And the news would always be covering something on it. And I'd start watching the clock. I had a little digital clock on top of the television. I'd watch those red numbers tick away. I'd say 6 o'clock, 6.01. I'd say, well, uh, he's hooked up to the IV now, 6.03. I said, well, he's probably giving his last statement. 605 I said well I guess that old poison starting to flow he's probably getting put to sleep right now so that he won't feel the poison entering his veins and about 10 15 after he's gone from my vantage point in my cell I was up on the third tier I could see the yard which is an asphalt yard there about 50 meters square in the walls unit which is surrounded by uh, 20 foot red brick walls I could see where the hearse I'd watch when the hearse would come in, which would be about 10, 15 minutes before the execution was to take place, all the way to when they would bring the body back out. And uh, the whole thing was a very sobering experience. You said a bunch of the other guys who worked in the commissary didn't really want to cook for the, the last meals because it gave them the creeps. Why, do you think? Just the association with the execution, death, and uh, a lot of guys, uh, when it inadvertently made them kind of look at their own mortality and most of them didn't want to face that and some of them but for the grace of god you know they could have been right there on that death gurney themselves a lot of my friends there in prison were murderers and uh i believe it just made a lot of them face their own mortality thinking man that, that could have been me and they didn't, they didn't want anything to do with it hmm. did it feel different to you cooking somebody's last meal oh absolutely i had to um not necessarily psych myself up for it, but I prepared myself emotionally and spiritually for it. Each one that I prepared. They would give me the last meal request about three days ahead of time. And so I knew pretty much what I was going to have to do or what I wouldn't be able to do. And I would start thinking about it then and meditating on it, praying about it and such. And when the day come, I was pretty well ready for it. Now, some were a little bit harder than others, depending on who it was and um, how celebrated, so to speak, the case was, like Carla Faye Tucker, for instance. What did she ask for for her last meal? Two bananas, four peaches, a nectarine, a uh, sliced cucumber, a garden salad and ranch dressing. My captain that day, Captain Faye Parkins, a very compassionate, godly woman, she came in and brought in some paper plates. Normally we serve the last meals on the officer's dining room, plastic dishes. They were green with a green tray. That particular day, um, Captain Parkins brought in some little flowered paper plates, very feminine looking. And she said, I want you to put them on this, Brian. And then, then she didn't even leave. She stayed right there with me. She uh, helped me peel the peaches. She sliced them. She arranged them very, very uh, pretty on the plates. And we sliced the, the, the cucumber and peeled it. Had everything just looking very nice. Then we wrapped everything like we normally do in saran wrap. And when she was done, uh, Captain Parkins looked down at that plate and she kind of touched her hair back. Her hair was pulled back kind of short. And I could tell that she was fixing to 
to have an emotional display. And uh, she said, well, that's about the best we can do. And she turned around and walked away right quick, went to her office. Hmm. Well, we sent the plate over there, and uh, Captain Parkins delivered it in person, which he never did. And uh, I warned her about it. I said, Captain, I don't think you ought to go over there, and, and you know, you know, I don't know if you're up for that. Well, she did, and she met her, and when she came back, I walked into her office, and I said, well, Captain, how was she? And she said, Brian, she was just the sweetest girl. She said she thanked us for the meal, and she said she was praying for us, and I looked at Captain Parkins, and I said, well, she handled it pretty well. Like, she's, is she willing to face her maker? And Captain Parkins looked at me, and she just burst into tears, and she waved me away right quick. And so I left the office, and uh, I came back about 10 minutes later when she called me, and she apologized for, for losing it like that. She said, Brian, I shouldn't have went over there. You know, you were right. And uh, Carla Faye Tucker ended up not even eating that meal. I don't know if that's ever been released either. She sent it back just the way we sent it over, still wrapped up. She elected to fast rather than have that last meal. Was there ever anybody who did something so bad? You-